0: section 7 of a sentimental journey through france and italy this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by martin geeson a sentimental journey through france and italy by laurence stern section 7 Montreuil as la fleur went the whole tour of france and italy with me and will often be upon the stage i must interest the reader a little further in his behalf by saying that i never had less reason to repent of the impulses which generally do determine me than in regard to this fellow he was a faithful, affectionate, simple soul, as ever trudged after the heels of a philosopher, and notwithstanding his talents of drum-beating and spatterdash-making, which, though very good in themselves, happened to be of no great service to me, yet was I hourly recompensed by the festivity of his temper it supplied all defects i had a constant resource in his looks in all difficulties and distresses of my own i was going to have added of his too but la fleur was out of the reach of everything for whether twas hunger or thirst or cold or nakedness or watchings or whatever stripes of ill-luck la fleur met with in our journeyings there was no index in his physiognomy to point them out by he was eternally the same so that if i am a piece of a philosopher which satan now and then puts it into my head i am it always mortifies the pride of the conceit by reflecting how much i owe to the complexional philosophy of this poor fellow for shaming me into one of a better kind with all this la fleur had a small cast of the coxcomb but he seemed at first sight to be more of a coxcomb of nature than of art and before I had been three days in Paris with him he seemed to be no coxcomb at all Montreuil the next morning La Fleur entering upon his employment I delivered to him the key of my portmanteau with an inventory of my half-a-dozen shirts and silk pair of breeches and bid him fasten all upon the chaise get the horses put to, and desire the landlord to come in with his bill. C'est un garçon de bonne fortune, said the landlord, pointing through the window to half a dozen wenches who had got round about La Fleur, and were most kindly taking their leave of him, as the postillion was leading out the horses. La Fleur kissed all their hands round and round again, and thrice he wiped his eyes, and thrice he promised he would bring them all pardons from Rome. The young fellow, said the landlord, is beloved by all the town, and there is scarce a corner in Montreuil where the want of him will not be felt he has but one misfortune in the world continued he he is always in love i am heartily glad of it said i twill save me the trouble every night of putting my breeches under my head in saying this i was making not so much la fleur's eloge as my own having been in love with one princess or another almost all my life, and I hope I shall go on so till I die, being firmly persuaded that if ever I do a mean action, it must be in some interval between one passion and another. Whilst this interregnum lasts, I always perceive my heart locked up. I can scarce find in it to give misery a sixpence, and therefore I always get out of it as fast as I can, and the moment I am rekindled, I am all generosity and good-will again, and would do anything in the world, either for or with any one, if they will but satisfy me there is no sin in it but in saying this sure i am commanding the passion not myself a fragment the town of abdera notwithstanding democritus lived there trying all the powers of irony and laughter to reclaim it was the vilest and most profligate town in all thrace what for poisons, conspiracies, and assassinations, libels, pasquinades, and tumults, there was no going there by day, twas worse by night. Now, when things were at the worst, it came to pass that the Andromeda of Euripides being represented at Abdera, the whole orchestra was delighted with it but of all the passages which delighted them nothing operated more upon their imaginations than the tender strokes of nature which the poet had wrought up in that pathetic speech of perseus o cupid prince of gods and men c every man almost spoke pure iambics the next day and talked of nothing but Perseus, his pathetic address, O Cupid, prince of gods and men, in every street of Abdera, in every house, O Cupid, Cupid, in every mouth, like the natural notes of some sweet melody, which drop from it, whether it will or no, nothing but Cupid, Cupid, prince of gods and men. The fire caught, and the whole city, like the heart of one man, opened itself to love. No pharmacopolist could sell one grain of hellebore. Not a single armourer had a heart to forge one instrument of death friendship and virtue met together and kissed each other in the street the golden age returned and hung over the town of abdera every abderite took his oaten pipe and every abderitish woman left her purple web and chastely sat her down and listened to the song twas only in the power says the fragment of the god whose empire extendeth from heaven to earth and even to the depths of the sea to have done this Hmm. when all is ready and every article is disputed and paid for in the inn unless you are a little soured by the adventure there is always a matter to compound at the door before you can get into your chaise and that is with the sons and daughters of poverty who surround you let no man say let them go to the devil tis a cruel journey to send a few and they have had sufferings enow without it. I always think it better to take a few sous out in my hand, and I would counsel every gentle traveller to do so likewise. He need not be so exact in setting down his motives for giving them. They will be registered elsewhere. For my own part, there is no man gives so little as i do for few that i know have so little to give but as this was the first public act of my charity in france i took the more notice of it ah well away said i i have but eight sous in the world showing them in my hand and there are eight poor men and eight poor women for him. a poor tattered soul without a shirt on instantly withdrew his claim by retiring two steps out of the circle and making a disqualifying bow on his part had the whole parterre cried out place aux dames with one voice, it would not have conveyed the sentiment of a deference for the sex, with half the effect. Just heaven, for what wise reasons hast thou ordered it, that beggary and urbanity, which are at such variance in other countries, should find a way to be at unity in this? I insisted upon presenting him with a single sou, merely for his politesse. A poor little dwarfish, brisk fellow, who stood over against me in the circle, put something first under his arm, which had once been a hat, took his snuff-box out of his pocket, and generously offered a pinch on both sides of him it was a gift of consequence and modestly declined the poor little fellow pressed it upon them with a nod of welcomeness prenez-en prenez said he looking another way so they each took a pinch pity thy box should ever want one said i to myself so i put a couple of sous into it taking a small pinch out of his box, to enhance their value, as I did it. He felt the weight of the second obligation more than of the first, it was doing him an honour, the other was only doing him a charity, and he made me a bow down to the ground for it here said i to an old soldier with one hand who had been campaigned and worn out to death in the service here's a couple of sous for thee vive le roi said the old soldier i had then but three sous left so i gave one simply pour l'amour de dieu which was the footing on which it was begged the poor woman had a dislocated hip, so it could not be well upon any other motive. — Mon cher est très charitable, monsieur. — There's no opposing this, said I. — Milord Anglais. The very sound was worth the money, so I gave my last sou for it. But in the eagerness of giving, i had overlooked a pauvre hanteux who had had no one to ask a sou for him and who i believe would have perished ere he could have asked one for himself he stood by the chaise a little without the circle and wiped a tear from a face which i thought had seen better days good god said i and i have not one single sou left to give him but you have a thousand cried all the powers of nature stirring within me so i gave him no matter what i am ashamed to say how much now and was ashamed to think how little then so if the reader can form any conjecture of my disposition as these two fixed points are given him he may judge within a livre or two what was the precise sum i could afford nothing for the rest but dieu vous bénisse et le bon dieu vous bénisse encore said the old soldier the dwarf etc the pauvre honteux could say nothing. He pulled out a little handkerchief and wiped his face as he turned away. And I thought he thanked me more than them all. End of section seven. Recording by Martin Giessen in Hazelmere, Surrey.